The FT. Entrepreneurs challenge the rules and change the game. We should know. At Mishkondorea, we've worked closely with all kinds of entrepreneurs, developing innovative tools to help protect and accelerate their plans. Mishkondorea—it's business, but it's personal. Welcome to the latest podcast in the Financial Times' Deals and Dealmakers series. I'm Anusha Sakui, the FT's mergers and acquisitions correspondent. It has been a fascinating year for deal making, and we are only halfway in. Despite some significant headwinds created by the uncertainty around the future of the euro, M&A continues to be done. We have seen a groundbreaking bid by Chinese oil group Sinuk for Canada's Nexen, seen as a key test of the region's ability to buy up large Western assets. But 2012 is still on track to be one of the worst years for deal making for a decade. The second half is unlikely to change that. To give their view of the world are two senior advisers in the industry. On the line from New York, we have Jack Brand, head of investment banking coverage and advisory at Deutsche Bank, and in the studio, I'm joined by Gilberto Pozzi, global head of retail and consumer advisory at Goldman Sachs. Thanks to both of you for joining me. Jack, can I just start by asking you what are the kinds of deals you are seeing being worked on behind the scenes? So I think Anusha, you're absolutely right. Overall, deal volumes are down, and this is mostly. Due to the lack of the $10 billion plus transformational deals, with the exception that the, of the one that you just mentioned, and, and by the way, you wouldn't expect to see a lot of those mega deals in the type of climate that you've just uh, described. But I think what we what we are seeing is companies continuing to engage in classic M&A activity, you know, across the very traditional either geographic product expansion. Industry consolidation, whether they're sponsor buyouts or exits, ownership uh, consolidation, etc. You're seeing an increase uh, of pace in divestitures by financial institutions, uh, and that's mostly driven by the current regulatory climate uh, and the new capital requirements under Basel III. And then we're continuing to see portfolio optimization the likes of which uh, Sara Lee just announced with their spinoff in, in their coffee business. So I think in some, the pace of activity is fairly steady. It's robust in the billion-dollar-plus category. Uh, you're just not seeing the level of transformational or mega deals. Gilberto, can I can I ask you? I mean, you obviously have a you know, sector specialty with retail and consumer, but are there beyond that anything that you would say are common themes amongst the uh, amongst the deals that you, you, you're seeing or that are being attempted? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I, I would agree with Jack on, on some of the key trends. First of all, I would say that uh, we would expect a, a consolidation place to continue um, in order to extract synergies, acquire brands, and establish a foothold in new markets. The spin-offs and demerger will also continue, so the, generally the corporate, uh, corporate restructuring uh, we're also seeing an increased role of activism uh, in most of the uh, large uh, corporations, and, and this is done and probably will influence the way that corporations will look at doing a, a merger and acquisition. Deals that we saw in the first half, is a lot of those were related to pre-existing stakes or pre-existing relationship. If you look at the Glencoe Strata, you look at the ABI Modelo transaction, Volkswagen Porsche, even the Heineken APB. And the second one, which I think we will also see uh, in the second half, is um, large and well-positioned leaders making acquisition. And uh, Walgreen Boots and Nestle Pfizer was a good example of those. I wanted to just uh, quickly ask, 
Jack, do, do you have a forecast for the second half or, I mean, even beyond that, if you've kind of maybe written off 2012 already and are looking at 2013? We're continuing to stay very, very busy. Uh, and I think that, you know, we'll continue to see similar types of activity to what we saw in, uh, in the first half uh, in the absence of global uh, clarity. Uh, with corporates sitting on vast amounts of cash, with the financing markets as attractive uh, as they are, with valuations being fairly modest, and in a world where growth is, is very slow, I think that will continue to encourage corporates to engage in M&A activity for you know, for all the reasons that we mentioned. So, But do, do you expect 2012 to, to pull itself away from what will be, you know, the measure that it, it will be one of the worst years for the past decade? Yeah, I think that we're probably in 2005, 2006 levels. I think the pace of activity in the second half of the year will mimic the pace in, in the first uh, half of the year. To the extent that we do get some form of stability or stabilization in Europe, I would expect the pace of activity to increase substantially, and you'll you'll see an increase in, in, in the number of mega deals, uh, which has been noticeably absent or has decreased dramatically uh, over the past couple of years. I was going to say CEOs and boards are reticent in this type of market to really engage in transformational deals. They'll, they'll pursue uh, M&A activity, but not betting uh, the ranch. Shilberto, sure, you have the same view that we could see a return this year of very big deals? Yeah, I think there is a, the conditions for um, uh, more M&A in the second half, 2012, and in 2013 are there. Valuation are lows. The S&P 500 PE is about 10 to 15 percent below long-term trend, and companies today they have a, a very significant amount of cash, and they also in developed market uh, they do not have the opportunity to grow their business as they would like, and so acquisition in new markets, in emerging markets, will allow them to complement their portfolio. As deal volumes plumb new lows, some bankers are talking about the structural changes that are going on within the industry, you know, ongoing scandal around certain banks. That has to be having an impact on deal making. And I just wanted to get a view from, from either of you how the sort of the restructuring that may go on in the investment banking sector could affect um, the role that you play in advising or just the volume of deal making. Um, sure. First of all, I would say that the drop in M&A, it's much more related to uh, cyclicality rather than structural changes in the long-term outlook for M&A. So if you go back about 20 years ago, the market was about 350 billion, went up to 4 trillion, then back again to 1, then up again to 4 trillion, and now it's down to about a couple of trillion last year. So there is a lot of cyclicality linked mainly to just the general macroeconomic condition. So I think uh, M&A as a tool for company to either grow, optimize their portfolio, and at the end to create value for their shareholder will continue. I think from an investment banking standpoint, uh, it's uh, the companies, I think, will be more selective in their choice of advisor. I think they will put more emphasis on long-term relationship, uh, uh, trust, uh, 
experience uh, rather than selecting banks more of an uh, opportunistic uh, opportunistic uh, uh, way of doing things. Uh, I think league table also will remain very, very important because at the end is one of the tools that uh, show effectively if clients continue to select um, a certain advisor for uh, their most important and more strategic uh, strategic activities. And then finally, we say that boutiques are, uh, they are present in some transactions, although they are usually focused on other specific geographies or on specific sectors. Mm. Jack, do you have the same view that, that companies may be more selective about the kinds of advisors they use? I think so. I think the, given the macroeconomic and geopolitical climate, which is probably the most volatile that I've ever seen in my career, I think the clients need advice from investment banks now more than ever. It hasn't affected the pace of activity. I agree with Gilberto. It's more, more cyclical uh, and more a function of, of, uh, of the climate than, uh, than anything else. And clients will be more <clears throat> selective because boards are more demanding in, in really trying to understand the range of risks uh, that are associated with uh, with M and A, and there's probably a, a, a much more integrated approach to evaluating strategic transactions, uh, which require a much more sophisticated and a global uh, perspective. So, does it also mean that you know, as uh, you know, in real terms, that bankers are you know maybe more worried about keeping their jobs than focusing on chasing on chasing deals? I think that bankers are very focused on delivering their organizations to their clients and finding solutions. And I think there are always distractions. It's up to uh, to management and leadership to ensure that you know we continue to do what's in the best interest of our of our clients. And certainly in in, in 2008, when there were many distractions for for all of us, I think the firms that <clears throat> that broke out of the pack were those that continue to focus on on their clients uh, and supporting them and and staying in dialogue with them and helping them to uh, interpret uh, what was going on in the broader uh, market. With that, I have to say that is all we have time for. Jack and Gilberto, thank you both for joining me today. Remember, you can access the full Deal and Dealmakers report at www.ft.com forward slash dealmakers. Thank you for listening and goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.